The path to success is rarely a straight line. And the path to success as a creative professional? That line tends to be especially squiggly. My name is Emmeline. I'm an independent recording artist, a singer-songwriter, a published author, and a lifelong creative. In my new series, Journey of an Artist, I talk to creatives from all walks of life about their passions, their paths, and the persistence they've employed to reach a point of professional and personal fulfillment. Throughout my journey, I've been blessed to interact with all kinds of artists, voice actors, poets, dancers, musicians, graphic designers, stylists, and more. In Journey of an Artist, we discuss the decisions they've made, the challenges they've faced, the obstacles they've overcome, and where they'd like their vision to take them next. We also reinforce the belief that with love, grit, perseverance, and an abundance of joy, anything is possible. You can live the life you want, the life that brings you the most joy, and my guests are living proof. This week, my guests are media veterans Al and Linda Lerner. Al is a former sports anchor who's worked on ABC, NBC, and WGN Radio. Linda is a former writer for PBS, CBS, and Radio Disney. Together, they've combined their talents to form Movies and Shakers, a website comprised of blogs, movie reviews, and interviews with your favorite stars. They're here today to talk about their journey through the wonderful world of entertainment. Welcome back to Journey of an Artist. I'm your host, Emmeline, and I'm so excited for today's episode because I have with me Alan Linda Lerner. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. Here we are. We're in Chicago <laughs> and we're doing well. I hear I hear things have been pretty dicey in Chicago. I hear the weather's been up and down. Yeah, weather is up and down. Uh, life yeah. is up and down. Uh, traffic is up and down. So, But we do Zumba every single night together. Oh, that's wonderful. Yep. So you have something consistent. Yes. And with a Dallas instructor that I used to take from. Oh, that's fantastic. Carlos. So you all you all moved to Chicago after being in Dallas. Yes. Six yes. years ago. Well, Chicago is home. So in Chicago, Dallas, I, uh, I was hired uh, to be a, a syndicated morning talk show host on a, a radio network. Did that for 17 years or or thereabouts. Uh, when that ended, it was time to, and Linda's gig at Radio Disney had ended and it was time to come home. Yeah. How long had you been in Chicago before that? I was born in Chicago, but I was born in Boston. So I uh, grew up uh, in, uh, in the suburbs around Boston. Uh, after high school, I was accepted at Northwestern in, uh, in Chicago. That brought me to Northwestern went to school, got a job, met a girl, stayed in Chicago. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so a job brought yes, you, Al, out to Dallas. And Linda, you followed. That's right. That's beautiful. We had a year when he was trying out in Dallas, and I was back in Chicago with the kids by myself oh. in winter. Oh, my goodness. That was fun. That sounds like fun. Yeah. yeah. So and I had did... to move everything myself because he was in Dallas. And oh. I've done that twice now. And I said, I will never do that again. <laughs> so when you all moved back to Chicago, did, did you move back in the same way? So uh, coming back to Chicago, uh, in the interim, I started working uh, at Apple. Uh, I'm, uh, I've been at Apple for 13 years working uh, in in the uh, in a retail environment, which is completely different than anything I've ever done, but I've become a teacher. I teach uh, people how to use their, their 
is, which is nice because I still get to perform. It's, it's sort of a performance kind of kind of position or has been up until COVID. Uh, and He's I, a creative. He's called a creative. So I got a job in Dallas, worked in, uh, in Dallas, and then asked for a transfer and was lucky enough yeah. to get a transfer to Chicago. So I came back to Chicago and left Linda to pack up the house. <laughs> Twice. And move and move back to Chicago. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you've really figured this out. You figured out how to move without actually having to pack anything up. Yep. Yeah. However, I think this, this, is, this is the last this is the last one of those. Yes. And especially being a writer and video and audio, and you can imagine the stacks of things that we had to put together. All kinds of media. And you all so You've done a number of things in media. I kind of want to take it back if that's okay. Sure. Al, you said you went to Northwestern. What did you did. study at Northwestern? Radio, television, and film. So, so you I went stayed in your medium. I did. I, I was one of the lucky. I think 99.9% .9 of the people who go into film school or radio, television, never get to work uh, in the industry. And I consider myself, that's been, uh, besides meeting Linda, the great blessing in my life is that I actually got to have a career. Um, and I remember uh, riding on the L from Evanston into Chicago as a student and going by all the apartment houses and, and fantasizing, you know, someday everybody in every one of those apartments is going to be able to hear, uh, hear me. And not only did I get that, but they got to see me as well. I know with this face, but I got, got to uh, be on television as well for many years. And it, it you know, that's, that's, a, and it is, it's a lucky break. It, it's talent plays a great role in it. Yes. But it's, you know, it's the finger of faith that really touches you. I mean, in, in my case, the way I really got into the business is because I had a, uh, uh, an oil company jacket, work jacket with the name Sid stitched on it and the mobile and the, the mobile patch. Uh, I was in school and a, a, uh, there was a startup TV station uh, coming on air called uh, WSNS Channel 44. Cable. And it wasn't cable. It was UHF. Oh, UHF. That's right. And uh, they started at the transmitter site, which was on the 97th floor of the John Hancock building, which is now called something else. But uh, it was on the 97th floor and the building was being constructed at the time. And I called for an interview. They put a, posted a, a notice at school to say, hey, you want a job in television? Call this number. Call the number. They said, yeah, come on up for an interview. But to get up to the 97th floor of a building under construction, there was no way to get up there in a construction in, with the construction workers in the elevator, which they neglected to tell anybody you couldn't get up there. <laughs> <laughs> so I had worked as a uh, pumping gas back in, in Boston um, and, and I had my jacket that said Sid and mobile. And I was, you know, dressed like a student with boots and, and jeans. And there were some guys getting on an elevator and I just walked on the elevator with them, <laughs> got up to the 96th floor with them. Nobody asked me. And in those days, nobody asked for, for badges. I had to walk across a plank. The, the windows weren't even in the building yet. So 96 floors up with wind coming through, I was terrified, walked across a plank. That's how much I wanted the job to get to the door to walk up to the 97th floor. And since I was the only guy 
who made it for the interview, I got the job. <laughs> so that's all about perseverance right there. And ingenuity. And luck. And luck. Well, I mean, there was some luck, but there was also some you absolutely refusing to say oh, to hear yeah. no. Like, oh. And he's afraid of height. So you really wanted this job. <laughs> yeah, well, I wanted a job. I also, I also jumped out of an airplane too, but that has to do with a flamenco dancer. Yeah, that, I, that was before <laughs> me. That was before me, pre-me. But, but I also worked at the UHF station as well. I was at the University of Wisconsin during some pretty uh, volatile times. And they were looking for someone to do the underground news. And I became the underground news, the person who put it together, interviewing everybody from the Black Panthers to the Gray Panthers to, you know, whoever was really busy at that time. And um, Sly and the Family Stone concert, and I almost got arrested and all this <laughs> good stuff. Uh, we had some good times, but it was really good. Uh, you know, I was from the radical hotbed of the Midwest. I went to the University of Wisconsin. And... Um, that's how it started. I mean, we were both working there at the same time, but we didn't work together, but we met through mutual friends. So did you meet at work? No, we didn't no. meet at work. We met again. We met at a, actually at a bar. Uh, <laughs> there was, you know, uh, we knew the, a lot of the same people and uh -huh. everybody got together on a, like a Friday night, you know, uh, to, uh, to hoist a few smoke a few, hoist a few more, whatever it was. No. And, oh yeah, <laughs> you can say that. That's a nice thing you about this. this time. Now you can, now you can admit it. Yeah. You can admit what you were doing. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so we met, we met at this, at the barn, just, you know, just exchanged some pleasantries, but didn't really meet each other until we were both at a party uh, together. Yeah. yeah. Hats off party. We had to wear a, a hat of some sort. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I was in a top, a beaver top hat. And that was really from an antique store. Mm -hmm. He was in a, a, what were you in? A conductor's cap. No, an engineer's cap, like engineer's a railroad cap. engineer's yeah. cap. I don't know right. why I had it, but I did. But then our careers kind of went different ways from there. You, uh, uh, the cable station went on strike. So we, we went on, I, uh, that's where I really got my, uh, opportunity to do everything. I was everything from a cameraman to running audio, to doing lighting, to setting sets, to being a director, uh, to being a producer. And one of the things I produced was uh, a show called Bob Loose Wrestling, Pro Wrestling. Uh, and in the interim of that, Bob Loose needed someone to be an interviewer. And I said, that's what I want to do. And so I got a chance to start interviewing pro wrestlers and going to the matches and, you know, doing play by play. And uh, at one point uh, the, uh, the station needed a half hour football scoreboard show on a Saturday afternoon. And they didn't have anybody, they had a sponsor, but they didn't have anybody to host it. And so this guy, Dominic, uh, who I worked with, you know, said he can do it. And yeah. so all of a sudden I had a half hour of TV time every week, uh, in Chicago to do whatever I wanted to do. We had wow. no video clips. We had no audio. We had all we had was a ticker tape of scores. And so we did improv comedy for a half an hour. It's called if you go on YouTube and uh, you uh, there's some pretty funny stuff. If you search for like like Al Lerner sports, you'll come up with a, a a video of a guy wearing a Green Bay Packers jersey and long hair 
uh, and silly string. That's all I'll tell you about. <laughs> and at the, at the same time, I was looking to move on. Um, and I, I was actually doing the underground news while I was still finishing up school at the University of Wisconsin. And I ended up going to a film company, an international film company, and then to an advertising agency. And then I got my FCC license to be an engineer and I became a master control director at PBS, wow. at the PBS station in Chicago. So I just kept moving, kept on moving. And um, from there I went to KNBC in LA because news was my first love. I had a choice between going to the CBC in Canada or to KNBC in LA. And I decided to go to LA to be an assignment editor. And so I was sending out the crews. I had 10 crews, a helicopter and a telecopter to cover the news. And I learned news big time. OJT. So you had a brush. I was gonna say, while you were at KNBC, you had a brush with with a historical figure, a very famous historical figure. Yeah, the helicopter pilot. Was it? Francis, Gary, Francis Powers. Gary Powers. He was my helicopter pilot. Are you familiar yeah. with Francis Gary Powers? Yeah, you too. Yeah, I am, you... but you should tell our listeners. Yes, Francis Gary Powers was down and uh, imprisoned, and um, it became a huge international it, event. It was. He was a spy. He was. He was, spy. he was spying from high in the uh, in the atmosphere in a youtube plane yeah. and and the russians shot him down and yeah. it was he spent time in prison but then came back and became a helicopter pilot. pilot and the nicest man i have ever worked with and i just loved him to pieces he but, was wonderful but he crashed he i sent him out on a fire on a, you know, over a weekend and um he he came back he was fine and then he was covering a lot of fires in california at that time and uh he ended up crashing he ran out of gas he ran out of gas wow yeah, that's terrible. So, interesting times. And then I came back. Al and I were were already um, dating, and he was trying to get a a gig as a sportscaster in California in, at KNBC. Down to two people. They took the other guy. Still sorry they did, <laughs> and told us many times. It was I, I uh, had an interesting uh, audition. You know, auditioning <laughs> is is. A, at, at the time, there was um, a very f- a popular uh, comedy game show called The Gong Show. And The Gong Show had a character, a recurring character called the Unknown Comic, who wore a paper bag over his head with holes cut out and a mouth. And he did jokes in the, with, the, you know, with the paper bag over his head. I took that idea. There was an independent TV station in LA that was looking for a sportscaster. And I decided to audition as the unknown sportscaster. <laughs> so That's I amazing. Put the bag over my head, yeah. cut out, and 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 did comedy. You know, sort of did the comedy kind of sports thing I had done back in Chicago, and they thought it was interesting, but I didn't get the gig. No, huh. and then and I was, had, wasted yeah. a paper bag over that. <laughs> and then I had to figure out if I was going to stay in California or come back to Chicago. And I was offered an assignment editor's job as is a tough job. It's like being an air traffic controller. You have to listen to place radios, decide what to cover, send the people to get it covered in time, get it back for the show, da, da, da. It's a tough job. And I was offered 
that job in Chicago at the ABC station and the CBS station. But Al was already being a sportscaster at the ABC station. And I said, well, I don't think it's a good idea for me to be the person to give him cruises for his story. <laughs> I don't think that will work real well. So I went to CBS where it was the, the slogan was, it's not pretty, but it's real. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. So it sounds like both of you had the experience of sort of saying yes to opportunities as they came along. Uh, saying yes to opportunities and, and uh, again, uh, having some really uh, important connections in life. When I say connections, it's yeah. friendships and relationships that turn into uh, opportunities. In my case, uh, when I was at Northwestern, uh, there was a grad student who was in my intro to TV class. He was getting his master's. He was already a journalist and he was getting his master's in uh, TV because he wanted to, to he saw the, the writing on the wall. He wanted to get out of print and go to, to uh, in, into TV. And we struck up a friendship, uh, which became a lifelong friendship. Uh, his name was Tim Weigel. Uh, again, if you ever want to just, YouTube him. He's very famous, very famous figure in uh, in Chicago. Uh, we became fast friends. He became uh, my best man at our wedding. Aww. And when he uh, went to NBC and I went on strike at Channel 44, he said, hey, I need a producer. Come on over. And wow. we started working together, uh, became um, a team at uh, NBC. Right. He got a job at ABC, said, come on over to ABC. I went ABC and became a reporter there and then an anchor, a sports anchor. Uh -huh. And I got you know to live that dream out of uh, covering things like the, the Winter Olympics and Super Bowls and Michael Jordan and going, you know, and, and being a part of the uh, a, a part of a, a world I never imagined I'd be a part of. Exactly. And while I was at Channel Two, we got married and we started a family and I decided that I wanted to do something else. I, I had five and a half years of being an assignment editor, writer, producer, and uh, I got to work with Gene Siskel. I got to work with, um, you know, a lot of very big name people and had and uh, a lot of stuff with the movies, which was fine. And um, actually, when I left there, I started a baking business, which you know a little bit about <laughs> because I am a baker from way back. Grew up in Andersonville, learned the, the, the uh, butter cookies and went on from there. Um, won a cherry pie baking contest. Oh, and, nice. <laughs> and then I, uh, I went into the baking business, but I also wanted to do more. So I worked for an animation company, writing original stories for animation and then doing voiceover. I was the, the voice of the, the witch who turned pink for Showtime. It was a special that was on a couple of years. And then I got into election coverage because of my news background. And I was Illinois state manager hiring 6,000 reporters statewide to cover pres two presidential elections and doing election night totals from the World Trade Center. So that was pretty heavy duty. Yeah, so interesting sidebar to that is that fast forward to today, uh, our daughter, Abby, uh, sort of inherited uh, our interest in News. Uh, news and current events and politics. And she now works for a political consulting company uh, here in Chicago and is involved in, uh, she's always wanted to change the world. So she's trying to do it one candidate at a time yep. here in, uh, so in cool. Chicago. Yeah. That's and nice. our son is a sound, 
Go ahead. I was just going to say, so she has sort of stepped into a role that you all created and allowed herself to take that even further in her direction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's just been always interested in what's going on in the world and uh, wants to fix, wants, would like to fix the world. And Lord knows we need somebody to fix the world right now. That's yeah. for sure. She's very uh, in, into environment and sustainability and um, and politics. I mean, just she wants to make life a better world for all of us, which is a wonderful thing to do. That's really beautiful. If he gets on our case every once in a while. <laughs> So changing the world son. starts with your parents, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And our son is a sound engineer. He was uh, with Lifehouse. He traveled the world as a sound engineer. It was always in Deep Ellum. He used to go in high school and stay out until wee hours of the morning, you know, wrapping cables and hauling speakers and all that other stuff. Well, now he is a sound um, person and expert at Apple in <laughs> And that's not my dog. That's not my dog. That's ours. Sorry. We have a canine interruption occasionally. <clears throat> I love dogs. <clears throat> 2021, friends. What can I say? I have a, I have a quick sound bar about, uh, a sidebar about Mitch and uh, and audio. Um, back in Dallas, I uh, did some filling work. I worked early mornings at my gig. I would get up at 2 o'clock <clears throat> and be done by 9 or 9.30. So I also took on some uh, side jobs filling in at talk radio. My other love is talk radio. Uh, and I did some filling work at a station called Cliff in Dallas, KLIF in Dallas back in the day. I don't know what they're doing now, but on one of those days that I was filling in, Mitch had all, was also working uh, part-time at Cliff as a, as a board, as a board op. And he was actually running the audio for me on a, on a show, which is, I'll always remember is a great moment, you know, looking, looking through the glass on the other side of the glass. And there's, is my son, you know, uh, running, running the audio and, yeah. cutting, and cutting my mic when he didn't like what I was going to say. So there you go. And I, and so he actually went with me to several, when I was working at Disney at the radio Disney network, which we haven't talked about yet, but working at we'll the get radio. There. Yep. Uh, he would come to sound <clears throat> seminars with me. I'd be sitting next to my son learning about sound. It was great. That is so cool. And what a blessing to get to share your passion and your child's passion together. Yeah. Absolutely. So it gave them a sense of, you know, what we were doing and in making <clears throat> under, making them understand that we weren't just going to work every day. Yeah, well, you, also see, you also get to see the influence as a parent, the influence that you really have on your, your child, oh, their wow. passions his passion for music and for sound. And he, you know, in his case, he happens to have that, that, that talent, that innate talent, his ear is amazing. And that's why one of the reasons why he was hired at Apple, not only for what he can do, but for what he has here, what he can hear. What he can discern, because he, he was uh, uh, playing by ear, piano by the time he was five. Wow, by five. Uh, he composed when he was 10, 12 years old, you know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> so it sounds like for both of you and for your kids, your time in media has really been a calling. Like there has been something deep down inside of you that has driven you forward in entertainment in all of its various forms. Just the desire to be there, mm -hmm. to perform for people, to share stories that you think are important, and to really highlight art that you feel is making a difference in the world. 
I, we just don't have enough time to do it all. You know, and we're, <clears throat> there's a frustration level where you do, yeah, I want to do that. I want to see this. I want to go here and I want to do. But it's all very ephemeral. I, you know, I've never in my entire career, you think about it, you speak into a microphone, it goes up into the atmosphere and poof, it's gone. You know, fortunately, there's things like YouTube now that can bring that can bring it back, so bring back some of it, but it never really created anything tangible. Uh, just dealing with trying to bring someone up. My uh, theory about sports, especially, is it should be entertaining. I always tried to make it fun. Uh, you should inform and entertain at the same time, which is why I like talk radio uh, or the iteration of talk radio that I wanted to do, which was to be entertaining and informative. Mm -hmm. I despise what talk radio has become. I want no part of it uh, now. And and I refuse to even listen to it now. But that's that's another story. Yes. And it, well, the other thing is in the interviews that we do, I mean, what I got into with, well, should we talk about Radio Disney? And Let's talk about radio. So that's where you and I met, Linda, is working yeah. at Radio Disney as writers. That's right. As well, and I was a writer, producer and voiceover. And I was going to say, and voiceover artists, yeah. And a kid director. I did a lot of character voices. Mm -hmm. And um, I was the witch. Um, how many witch voices did I ever do? And cackles and um, all kinds of fun. And uh, I, I really enjoyed my time there. But um, I wanted to get into more of it. And, and we had a good time together writing and producing and I that's where I got into music and movies because I had been in news and had done a lot of interviews they said okay you go and do the junkets in LA you know go and do this movie doing so I got to interview everybody from Julie Andrews and Roseanne Barr and um so many people from all the Chris Pine and all these people from different movies and cover Miracle and cover uh, the hockey players, sports movies, and all, all kinds of good good stuff, and animated movies as well. And when I, I that was kind of my specialty, and I I also learned how to edit and produce them, and pick the music for them, and so on and so forth. So that was really valuable information. When in Chicago it was union, you couldn't touch anything. In Dallas, I could I could produce my own spots, which was uh, so rewarding and so much fun. And we had such a collaborative environment that I think Radio Disney was such a wonderful place to learn from other artists. You know, it's like you all talk about the importance of building relationships. I think that that was a really great place for building relationships because everybody was willing to learn from everybody else. And everybody was really willing to sit down and talk with everybody else and share their wisdom and lift each other up, which I think is so important, especially in the entertainment industry. Yes, the meetings that we had brainstorming were so important. And, and they gave you a sense of creativity and people were listening to what your ideas were. And that was, that was great. Also, as a kid director, working with the, the uh, kids who were anywhere from five to, to 16, 17 years old, um, you learn so much from them and what they like and why they like it and about entertainment. And it, it was fascinating, it was great. I had a great time working with the kids. So you all made the move, though, when Radio... So Radio Disney shut its doors in Dallas, yep. which was tragic for all of us involved, I think. And then, yep. Al, it sounds like you made the move to Chicago with Apple. I did. Uh, the uh, 
the the job uh as most jobs do they it ended the uh, syndicated radio job it was which was a good job in in many respects it, it, the uh, the hours were were crummy but it also gave me time and to be home in the afternoon and the evenings with the kids um and it was a magazine show it was it was not a uh you know i've got an opinion and i'm right and you're wrong and that's how it's going to be it was like the today show on radio. So I got to interview. As a matter of fact, we interviewed most of the same people that you would see on, on the, the morning uh, TV shows right. were also uh, on our show. So I got to uh, have a great uh, breadth of uh, experience uh, in interviewing. But when that show ended, uh, I uh, dabbled in uh, going into in business, actually worked for a good friend who had a, a plastic mm -hmm. manufacturing company. And and, and got into what was it in in the uh tag bag well but in the uh, uh dustin hoffman movie you know let me give you one word plastics, plastics. oh <laughs> <laughs> so i got into plastics and found out that i didn't want to be in plastics and then uh we got a, a mac computer when we started doing our we thought about doing a movie review website mm -hmm. we had to get a computer so we we got a, a mac a computer. We went to the Apple store and started taking some lessons. And, and one of the one of the instructors, one of the creatives, that's what he is, uh, asked me one day, said, hey, Al, you know, if uh, I refer for, if I refer you for a job and you get the job, I get some money and I refer <laughs> you. And uh, I said, sure. So once again, it is, it, it's interesting how things go around. He referred me, but I never heard from Apple. They never, they never called to reach out to set up an interview time. But my buddy who referred me said, mm -hmm. have you heard anything? I said, no. He said, well, they're having a, um, they're having an open session. They're inviting people to come in for initial interviews next Tuesday. Why don't you just show up? So I did. I just showed, I just showed up and they said, well, your name isn't on the list. I said, oh, Bye. really? I said, well, I, I got an invitation. They said, oh, okay. And they wrote my name in. And I got the job. So well, you did. To... You did the then equivalent of walking across the plank and going up the elevator. Yeah, exactly. And they yeah. made him do role playing. They had a role playing type thing. Oh, that's cool. So you got to use your acting skills. Exactly. Yes. So... Form of... That's awesome. So it sounds. Yeah, it's it sounds like every job that you've had has sort of prepared you for the next job in a way you didn't necessarily anticipate, but definitely enjoyed. Right. Well, and it also proves that I'm not qualified for any job at the show. That <laughs> may be true for both of us. The The other thing is when, when I was still at Radio Disney, um, because of my interest in movies and, and the experience I had, I heard about a film festival that was starting in Dallas. And so I went and talked to those people and they said, come on out. Uh, we're going to do a red carpet. We're doing our first red carpet. So on the first red carpet I ever did was Helen Hunt and Josh Brolin and Mickey Rooney. <laughs> and he was a terrible human being. Oh, he was, that was a tough, that was a tough. <laughs> really? <interview. laughs> but I started doing the red carpet things and then I pulled Alan to it and he got to a point where I wasn't sure if I could ever make them because they were of the timing or what time it was going to be and when it was. And I literally went late to one or went to one, you know, straight from work mm -hmm. and brought my own sign. 
so that I could put it down and so that they'd know who is who it was, movies and shakers. And they still talk about how I brought my own sign to the red carpet and got on the red carpet. <laughs> so the, the motto is never give up. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like that's definitely the motto. And don't be afraid to take the steps that you need to take to get to where you want to be. Even if you oh, don't feel qualified. Right. Right. They laughed about that, but I mean, you have to have a good sense of humor, too. Yeah. You know, Emily, you know what I like about your interview style is, is that you try to put some importance on on, on the things that, I, that we're saying when, when really there is none. <laughs> That's good. I like that. It's true. Oh, my friend, I think there's always importance. I, I think that that's the beauty of creativity, right? Is we don't always realize what we're doing that's important as we're doing it. It doesn't become important until later. Like that was something that I learned at Radio Disney that it sounds like you all have had experience too with is, you know, entertainment can be ephemeral. It happens once and then it's gone. But you don't realize as it's happening what kind of an impression you're making on the people who are listening. And sometimes you never do. And sometimes you find out 20 years later. And sometimes you find out five seconds later. And those are really great moments. But often we don't realize how the things that we're putting out into the world are affecting other people. Like you all well, got to see the fruits it, of your labor with Mitch and Abby yeah. later. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But think, think about this. It, every job you've ever had, um, there are people who just, mm-hmm. and myself included, who gripe and complain about, uh, you know, this is terrible now. Mm-hmm. Back then, that was the golden era. Back back then, five years ago, 10 years ago, that was the golden era, blah, 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 blah. And then fast forward five years, and you're still griping, and they're saying, well, that five years ago, when we were griping five years ago, that was the golden era. So we never really stop to appreciate where we are at the moment because we're just caught up in the, in the moment as, a, as opposed to being stepped back and say, you know what, this is kind of cool. What we're doing now is kind of cool, which we, I guess that maybe that's human nature. We just don't do that. Well, and, yeah, and I think that a lot of times you look back on it and you, when you tell other people about it and you see their reaction, you realize wow, that was pretty cool. I mean, even when I was at Radio Disney, I was very involved in dance. That's how I got acclimated to Dallas. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I was into tap dancing. And so I did it for 25 years. And there I was on stage with Gregory Hines. All because somebody in Chicago said, hey, if you go to see him in person, bring your tap shoes. And I did. And I ended up on stage with him with eight other people. And it became a column in a newspaper. I mean, it was like, how did that happen? It was like a dream. Yeah. It was very interesting. And I ended up setting up two master classes with him as a result. Wow, really? Yeah. That's so cool. And you still do Zumba, it sounds like. Zumba. And I also, during COVID, got aboard and did virtual tap. <laughs> wow, virtual tap. I got my board right there. <laughs> Well, and you all have also done a lot of interviews in COVID. Um, We've talked a little bit about how both of you developed an interest in movies and media and stepped in for each other. Um, You have a wonderful blog now, Movies and Shakers, and you have an interview series on YouTube where you've been able to Zoom with a lot of these artists. We have. We've, in the past, when we've gone to film festivals, uh, we'd take take up our own camera and we would shoot and edit and, and then put it up. Now, of course, 
uh, COVID has sort of been the blessing and the curse in that is where we have more opportunity and, and more interview subjects are willing to sit in front of their computer and be interviewed as opposed to having to go someplace to, yeah. uh, to be interviewed. So we've had um, some more opportunities to, uh, to do these interviews via Zoom. Uh, and then again, just like you, uh, edit and post. And it's, you know, it, that's kind of rewarding as well. Well, we cover Sundance, South by Southwest, Austin Film Festival. We love its Writers Festival. Um, we, we got to do can. We got to do can during during COVID. COVID. Wow. We got to do can virtually yep. again to be able to see the movies and the Chicago Film Festival, which was interesting because when we came to back to Chicago, they knew who we were, but they didn't know that we were doing movies, and so we had to like start from scratch and build those relationships once again. And now we have now we're covering the big movies and we're covering a lot of and we do a lot of documentaries as well we, we just did doc nyc which is new york city's 200 films they have we did not see wow. 200 films but <laughs> but we saw quite a number and did a, uh, several interviews because of those and it's it's very rewarding and it's a, and it's not an interview we do conversations that's our specialty. We do conversations. We like to have fun with it. And we like to ask questions that nobody else asks. Yeah. And documentaries are, are interesting because it sort of uh, melds the entertainment and news uh, in, into one format. In, the, in one format, for instance, uh, Texas, the Texas-oriented boys' state was a wonderful, a wonderful documentary that, that gave a... Uh, a view into the life of uh, high school kids and their passion yeah. for politics, and also a look at what Texas, you know, what uh, Texas is like, uh, you know, underneath, you know, when you peel back, some, sort of the, uh, hey, y'all, this is Texas, you know, we, you know, if you weren't born here, I got here as quick as I could, you know, you know, not so much, you know. We have a lot of fun with uh, with people. We like to have a good time with them and make it a rewarding situation where we're not only getting their passion for whatever they're into out there, but get get more into who they are and why they are doing it. Yeah. By the way, it took me a it took me a few years to understand what people were really saying in Texas when they said, "Bless your heart." Ah, yes. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get that. I didn't get that at first. Yes, Texas is syrupy <laughs> diplomacy. <laughs> well, I said I've said for a long time that you can't decide if it's west or south. I think it's kind ah. of in between. It depends on the day. It was a very interesting education for us, and we made so many good friends. And we can't wait to come back. We just haven't recently, but we're hoping to. We've covered all those. Uh, um, you know, South by Southwest and Austin virtually in the last year and a half. But uh, we, we want to come back. We do want to come back. We had a good time. Good. Yeah, you guys were out here for a while. How long were you? Years. I was going to say 17 yeah, years. 17 years. Yeah. That's crazy. So you went back to Chicago. You became members of the Chicago Independent Film Critics Circle. Yep. Chicago Indie Critics now. That's the name now. And we're also part of uh, the International Documentary Association and Women's Film Critics Circle, Cherry Picks. And I was going to say, and Linda is part of the International Women's Film Critics Circle. Right. And also Rotten Tomatoes. We're on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, fantastic. 
We have been for the last, I think, three years now, maybe longer. So yeah, yeah we're Rotten Tomato approved critics, yeah. which, you know, I wouldn't call it a, an exclusive club, but it's nice to have that exposure. Absolutely. There's there's a form of validation in there for sure. Yes, and we're we're doing we're we're developing more ourselves because we're we're talking about doing a podcast of our own. We're talking about doing our reviews video rather than just written. And mm -hmm. um, we have our, we, we manage our own web page at moviesandshakers.com and do all our own editing of all our interviews and post them and everything else. We've learned it all. So how do you guys find time to do things like Zumba and bake? Uh, somehow we fit it in. I mean, we have long days sometimes, but we just keep going. That's what you have to do. And, and, and COVID has made that even more vital. You have to get out there. You have to still, you know, reach out to people. It's, it was hard. I mean, it's, it's hard because there are so many people you want to see and be around and converse with. And unless you reach out, sometimes a lot of people are, have, have drawn in and don't want to, to you know, they're just are tentative. Mm -hmm. But we still bug everybody. <laughs> Yeah, one of the interesting you talk about how do you find time for everything. Uh, Linda's as a baker, she I mean she's she's always baking, and it's sort of inspired me to try my hand at it. But I didn't want to do uh, her kind of baking. I wanted to try something different. So I've uh, uh, I've started baking bagels, learning how to bake bagels, which is uh, which is truly an art. Uh, it's it, because. There's a lot of, I'd never realized this before. I mean, working with yeast and dough uh, has a, a feel has a lot to do with it. You have to feel, you have to feel the dough and, <laughs> you know, and know what it, you know. What, it's a very you know, emotionally in touch process. It, it really, well, I, and he what, almost broke my mixer that we, we, we took care of a new lesson in that. And then he was beating the dough to a to a pulp for a while, and they, now he's got a much more finesse. So I mean, I can share I can share <laughs> pictures at some point. But my first my first few attempts, and, and I was reading a, a lot about bagel baking, and somebody said it takes like five years before you really get it down. Yeah. But I, I I'm almost there. But my first bagels were about that thin, and now they're. <laughs> you know, they, they, they're crusty, they're chewy, they have the, the right interior. And I'm really kind of getting passionate about, you know, about uh, yeah. doing it right, about getting it. And it's kind of fun to do. And he has a new appreciation for my baking. That's right. <laughs> As you that's know, I've made... That's important also. Yes, I've made everything. And I still do a lot of baking and then did those, do some donating of, uh, um, of pastries for our hospital workers and so on and so forth during COVID. Right. And of course, everybody says, just like Linda had the business, the Linda's Magic Brownies business. Uh, Watch them disappear. That, yeah. We, when we <laughs> first started that, by the Linda's Magic Brownies was with the intention someday of mm -hmm. making pot brownies. Uh, That's true. The, that this was, was decades ago. But, and, and now we could do it, but now COVID is, yeah. her, her shared kitchen is, is shut down and so they, they the the business is on hiatus. When I first when we first moved back to Chicago, my daughter said, You've been doing the brownies for a long time. You don't have a job right now. Let's do it. So we went, we became bakers in a shared kitchen for three and a half years. And we were supplying uh, corporations downtown for business meetings and 
we he sold it out of a bakery and we delivered it to restaurants. We did the whole thing. Yeah, we found that running a business is uh, is not only physically uh, taxing, but uh, it's hard to make money doing that. Yes. We did really weddings, is. 200 brownies for weddings and wow. all these other amazing. Yeah, we made 14 different kinds of brownies. So now I'm doing bagels and people say, well, so you should sell, you know, they taste them. So you should sell these. <laughs> And we have a name. Uh, we have a name for it. Yes. Our our grandchildren. We have two grandchildren now, uh-huh. uh, and um, I wanted to be called. Linda did not want to be called grandma or granny, and I didn't want to be gramps or or grandpa or in in Jewish, of course, it's Zadie and Bubby. Yeah. And that's that's just too old. I couldn't do it. So I <laughs> we wanted to ready. be called. We were ready for that. Yeah. I wanted to be called one of my, I, I uh, enjoyed, I used to, there's an Italian liquor. You ever hear of grappa? Mm-mm. Okay. That's well, an Italian, very strong <laughs> Italian, Italian liquor. And I wanted to be called grappa. So call me grappa. Well, Eloise, our granddaughter, couldn't say grappa. She said papa. She's two. She's two years old. She said papa. So I be, I've become papa and Linda became. Because Linda Lerner, I said, I want to be Lala. So Aww. we're Papa and Lala and Papa. So now they want they want me to make Papa's bagels. Huh? There you go. Well, so we could have Papa's bagels and brownies. Yeah, you know, make we'll a, you know, but no. In our next that. life. <laughs> you guys still have time. You've still got time. There's oh, plenty got- of time to explore. Okay. Podcast listeners, if you'd like uh, Bapa's Bagels, just you know, send a message to moviesandshakers.com and we'll consider it. <laughs> we'll consider sending some bagels. That's fantastic. I've always wondered why bagels tasted so good in New York and not anywhere else. And it sounds like it's just they've taken more time to figure out the baking process. Well, and the boiling. And, and it's, it's boiling. And and it's boiling the bagel. And it takes like 24 hours to make a batch of bagels. Right. Wow. Really? Let them proof in the refrigerator. You have to let them proof overnight before you uh, before you boil them and bake them. That's dedication. That's a long process. It is. is. He's he's very into it. I'm very proud of him. (laughs) Well, and Linda, you and I as baking enthusiasts, brownies are quick. Well, yeah, they are. Like brownies are one to two hours, and you're done. Twenty four hours is a that's a commitment. That's a long time. Yeah, but I do also, because I grew up in a Swedish neighborhood in Chicago, I learned all the Swedish butter cookies, and I do a rolled one that is, you know, you have to make the dough, and then you roll it, and you cut it, and so on and so forth. And I do the spritz cookies with the, I have, I've gone through at least four cookie presses, um, <laughs> and I decorate them and so on, and send them for gifts for the holidays. And, and it's very creative, and that was something that I think was part of our creativity. It was when I was doing TV, nobody knew what I did because it, if they didn't see it on the air, they didn't know. Yeah. So I would bake and that would be a good way to unwind, especially uh, being an assignment editor. That was a heavy duty job. And then at 10 o'clock at night, I would just kind of chill out and make something yeah. that I could give to somebody. And Al, it sounds like you spent a lot of time in the forefront, right? Like you were a sports anchor, whereas Linda and I at Radio Disney, like we recorded and wrote thousands of spots without our names ever being mentioned. Correct. You know, the. Um, we were shadows. Well, it, we really you know, were. And I guess part of it is is uh, the the ego of a performer. I mean, you're a performer, Emily. You know, the 
what gives you what gives you great recognition, you know, great pleasure, pleasure is someone coming up after a set and saying, hey, that was great. Um, that's what that's why you perform. I mean, you know, it, it is, hey, look at me. You know, it's it's like a hey, here I am. And as a performer, you know, uh, something gives me great. One of the things that gives me a, a great deal of satisfaction is when someone co will come up, even at the Apple store, and say, "Hey, that voice, I've heard that before. Do I know you from? Did we go to high school together or something right. like that?" Yeah. The the fact that that something you did sticks with someone. Very, very, on a regular basis, he is recognized, and yeah. I get great pleasure. Uh, if we write a review and we get feedback, you know, social media is terrific for that. We've got two Twitter accounts, two Instagram accounts, two Facebook accounts, and we put up our reviews uh, there or a link to them. And it's very satisfying when you get something back over the last couple of weeks. Uh, um, I put something out about the power of the dog and it came back. Um, some One of the, the platforms that we're on put back and said, Linda Lerner says... And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. I didn't even do that, you know? So it was very interesting. Yeah, I think we talk a lot on this show about how as artists, one of the things that's really important is this concept of making something that lasts yes. and making something meaningful to people. And I think almost more than, hey, that was great. It's really cool to hear like for Al that you lived in somebody's home for a number of years doing what you did right. or you know, Linda, you and I, that there was something in a spot or something in children's programming that really stuck out to them and meant something. I still hear from Radio Disney kids that I've worked with. Yeah. To that point, one of the one of the things that really set me on on my path is when I was in college, I was working at WNUR, which was the Northwestern mm. uh, student radio station. And um, I did. I love doing overnight talk radio because and I did during. Uh, it was during um, the Vietnam War protests and the, after the Kent State uh, murders, uh, things shut down and we went 24 hours at WNUR during wow. the student strike at that time. And I worked like midnight to, to 6 a.m. Doing, doing overnight talk radio. And this is a student station. Remember, it's very small signal, not much, but... I would do bits again. I, I love to do comedy and bits and voices. And I did, you know, Humpy the Talking Camel. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a call from a, uh, a, a woman who was at the Evanston Hospital in the cancer ward with her child. Oh my God. Listening to Humpy the Talking Camel. And her kid, for some reason, woke up and was listening to this with her. Uh, and smiled and laughed. And that moment, that moment for her was a, because her child was not going to make it. And this was like one of the last times her child was going to smile. Yeah. And she shared that with me. And I said, this is it. I, I have my calling. Yeah. That's why. And that was, and that was an, to have that happen when I was like a, a 20 year old kid, a 19 or 20 year old kid, was an amazing moment for me. And what a message that you can, from a distance, create something that gives somebody peace or joy in a moment where they really need it. It's very, it's very touching. It is. It's very touching. And I've, I've stole from account executives and 
um, station managers from Radio Disney who have stayed in touch and you know said, you did so much for me when I when you were there. And I mean, I didn't even think there was anything that I did that was that special or anything, but it's so nice to be remembered. Yeah. Yeah, and it's nice to believe that, yeah, that you're moving people, that mm -hmm. you're creating something of importance. Because both of you have covered really, really interesting things. I mean, Linda, the stuff that brought you to the underground media <laughs> was a time when people needed news and needed to feel connected and needed to understand what was going on and what was motivating people. And Al, it sounds well, like you experienced the same thing during the overnights. Yeah, it was issues that needed to be talked about and flushed out and are still going on. I mean, they, we still ha have the same problems that we had, you know, we, decades ago. And we need to talk more about them and get them solved. Yeah, Ali, you talked about uncovering the truth of Texas, right? Digging <laughs> <laughs> yes, beneath the y'all exterior. <laughs> I think that that's what a lot of social media has done over the course of the last couple of years, is it has sort of invited us to strip away the kind diplomatic exterior and see what people are really thinking and what's actually happening and what is driving some of these social movements we're seeing. Yeah, yeah it's, there's good and bad though. It's, it's interesting is that uh, it's not even uncovering anymore what social media has done, uh, both for better and for worse, with the anonymity that you have or the, just the power that one has just by uh, tapping out uh, on a keyboard is it gives you the real, the real self. You see, uh, for instance, uh, the last five years now, uh, overt racism was always something that you, you, know, you kept the cover on that, you can't, you can't, you can't show who you really are. Well, guess what we're seeing now? We're seeing what's really there. What we always suspected was here in America, but now we know it's here in America to a huge degree that we never imagined was as prevalent as it is. Yes, and, and it's also in terms of women's issues. I mean, long ago when I left PBS, um, it was difficult. I, I worked for three P PBS three times because I did a children's musical that was at Second City Northwest. And I also, and from that and a festival, a, a children's festival at Navy Pier with the mayor and mayor's wife and so on. So I ended up doing a TV show for PBS called The Happiness Club, doing it right with eight music videos, which mm -hmm. wasn't being done at that time. We did win three Emmys for that. But there, there was... It, there was so much more that needed to be done at that time. Women's issues, way back when, when the first time I worked at PBS, women were not been given a break. And I took, I got my FCC license to be an engineer so I could tell other engineers if they were out of phase and needed to do something about their picture. Mm -hmm. And they were very reluctant. And I wrote a letter at that time saying, you need to give women more opportunity. And other women who were working there recognized it and knew it and this is a long time ago and we still have that problem yeah we still are dealing with that situation yeah for sure and to call attention to those things is is important very much so so i'll continue being a troublemaker <laughs> 
I think sometimes that's how we get things done. So if people are listening, I have two questions for you all. One, if people are listening to this podcast and thinking, wow, Linda and Al have done so many incredible things. There's just so much that they've done in media and well, in yeah, entertainment. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Emmeline, so much for, for reminding me that I, you know, over the course of my career, I can't hold a damn job. <laughs> thanks. I'm just reminding you that you can't stay with the job because you find something else cool to do. Well, that's it. That's right. Good. Absolutely. Good point. Thanks again. You're we welcome. You next reference. <laughs> You're like, Thanks I so found much. something cooler. I have to go do that <laughs> now. Oh, you're doing what? I want to do that. <laughs> exactly. Well, and often that's how it goes, right? Is we're in a position, but I think as creatives, we really appreciate a challenge. So when we see an opportunity for growth, when we see an opportunity to step into something different or dig a little deeper into a possibility that we feel in our hearts, we we take that chance because we, we don't want to take the safe route, right? We want to take the interesting one. That's right. Well, first of all, you can't hit a moving target. That's one. And I ain't dead yet. There you go. <laughs> uh, maybe we were ahead of our time. You know, uh, kids coming into the workforce today never think about long-term, about working for anyone long-term. Loyalty to a company, it does not exist. Everyone is an independent contractor working their own careers. The day you start a job, you're looking for your next job, uh, which I find kind of exhausting, an exhausting way to live your life. But that's how that's how it goes now. That's how it, it really is uh, is working now. So, yeah, I, I was ahead of my time. Just well, and- never holding a job. I, I actually did a series for two years. A woman came to me, a lawyer who wanted to do something about the changing workplace. This is before we went to Dallas. And um, uh, Cheryl Heisler, brilliant woman. And she said she actually hired me as a voice coach to start with. And then we made this series called Making It Work about how flexible hours were coming in and how women were working differently and how men were working. And there were office spaces you could rent and so on and so forth. And that was that was the beginning of all this now. Really, now everybody's working from home. So where do you find these two these two creative people? Mm-hmm. That's what I was <laughs> gonna ask you. Well, first I do want to uh, ask you though, if you have any advice for our listeners, what like if you could tell them one thing about capturing success in entertainment and about pursuing your passion, what would you say if you could give them one bit of advice? What would that be? I have a lot of things, but one I would say is never discount any of your talents or that you can make use of them. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Well, you use the word passion, you know, find the, the, the bromide there is, you know, find your passion and find a way to make money, uh, you know, using your passion. Uh, That's, that really is, you know, that's, you know, a secret to happiness. That would be one of them. If you love what you, if you love what you're doing, uh, you'll do what you love. Kind of kind of thing uh, is important. But also, I, I guess in thinking about this last hour and what we've talked about, I guess it's it's the word no is only a suggestion. You know, okay, no, all right, today we've been rejected many a time, many times. So don't, don't always take no as the final, the final no. no never. There's only one final no, and we don't want to face that for a long time. <laughs> That's when you're not, when you're not able to do anything anymore. It's true. Yeah. 
I really appreciate you, that. You don't always have to do anything for money too. And that's another thing. If you're already working at another job and you want to try something, try it, try it at night, try it on the weekends, talk to somebody in that other field, because something that you volunteer for could become your next job. Right. Mm. And, uh, and again, send me your best bagel recipes. <laughs> <laughs> and then make sure you ask Baba to send you some bagels, right? Baba. Baba and Lala. <laughs> I love that. So if people are thinking, wow, Linda and Al are awesome, where are the best places for people to find you guys? You have all these projects. Where can people hit you up? So where do we need the most hits? Moviesandshakers.com. And that's where you can find, even our homepage has our latest reviews, what's coming up, and the interviews and links to them. And then there's links uh, to the ones of the past. Also, YouTube. We have our own Movies and Shakers YouTube channel, Al and Linda Lerner. Either way, you can look it up and we'll be there. How about Facebook? Oh, yeah, we got Facebook. Movies and Shakers, Shakers. right? And we've got Movies and Shakers. At, uh, it's And it's Movies and Shakers without the E at the end. They wouldn't let me put the E in there. So it's, it's K-R-S in Twitter and also on Instagram, Movies and Shakers. That's spelled out. And you guys have interviews with Channing Tatum, Kevin Hart, all kinds of great artists here. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with everybody from John Stewart, Jesse Eisenberg. Oh my gosh, we've done a lot of interviews. Uh, Shia LaBeouf had a movie out, but he didn't want to be interviewed for it. He put the uh, star of the movie um, as as the as the person, the, the spokesperson. That was a lot of fun. That's really cool. So moviesandshakers.com, all one word. If you're listening on the radio, moviesandshakers.com. If you're listening on a podcast, you just have to scroll up and click and it will be linked below. And we're going to link to the YouTube page so you can check out those interviews. We're going to link to moviesandshakers.com so you can check out all of the written reviews that they have going on. And you can see what movies they'll be reviewing next. Yes, and maybe some video reviews. Oh, video reviews. I love it. Digging into COVID. Linda and Al, it is so good to see your faces. Thank you so much so for good. taking the time today. It's so good to see you. I miss working with you. I miss working with you too, my friend. I'm so grateful for you both, though, for the energy that you put out into the world and for all of the cool things that you're doing and for the way in which you are tirelessly pursuing promotion of the arts. I think that's beautiful and important, and it's so cool to see you and to highlight that well and thank, thank you, you. So it's much. good to seeing you as well and stay safe wear a mask get a shot and then we can all get back together again. yeah so we can come and see you and then we can get together again yes let's do it thanks so much you guys have a great one Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of Journey of an Artist featuring Linda and Al Lerner. To learn more about Al and Linda, follow them on Facebook and Instagram, then visit their official website at moviesandshakers.com. That's M-O-V-I-E-S-A-N-D-S-H-A-K-E-R-S.com. For behind-the-scenes information and more about Journey of an Artist, you can follow me, Emmeline, on social media at at Emmeline Music. That's at E-M-M-E-L-I-N-E Music. Journey of an Artist airs Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time on Deep LM Radio and is available as a podcast the very next day. My other show, Journey of a Song, airs Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on Deep LM Radio, and past episodes are available wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll see you next week with brand new episodes. Until then, stay passionate.